and welcome to the UDC Planning Committee meeting. Um, just a couple of general points. There are no fire alarms planned, so if the fire alarms go off, please gather on the grass at the front of the building. Um, can I ensure that all mobile phones are turned off? Please make sure they're all turned off. I'll remove anybody with the phone on. Um, apologies for absence. I have Eric Hicks and I have... Um, who else am I missing? Is it only Eric? Julie substituting. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay, Julie Redfern substituting for Eric Hicks. Yeah, that's it. Uh, declarations of interest. Yes, Councillor Freeman. Town Council. And Councillor Fairhurst. Town Council. And Councillor Lachlan. Um, UTT 181993 FUR Stansted. I am acquainted with the applicant. Okay. A non-prejudicial interest. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Chairman. The application site is divided into two parcels of land uh, in the parish of Stansted Mount Fitchett. The site covers 1.55 uh, hectares. Uh, this is currently arable land with no existing buildings. Access to the site is via a gap in the hedgerow uh, off uh, High Lane to the east of the site. Uh, to the east of the site is High Lane and to the west of the site is Cambridge Road. To the south of the site is the Catholic Church. Also included in the, in the application is a smaller triangle of uh, land directly to the east of High Lane. To the north of the site is a drainage ditch recently constructed during the construction of uh, a residential development of Warpool Farm. Uh, the site slopes down towards the north of the site. Uh, also, the western boundary along Cambridge Road slopes down to High Lane. This application is for the development uh, of the site to provide 35 dwellings with associated garages, drainage, landscaping and parking. The proposal includes introduction of new pedestrian access points from Cambridge Road and High Lane with vehicular, vehicular access uh, taken from High Lane. The proposal will have a density of 23 dwellings per hectare. This uh, density allows for a range of different types of dwellings across the site. The um, layout plan uh, demonstrates a mix of four one-bedroom properties, 22-bedroom properties, seven three-bedroom properties and four four-bedroom properties. There's 40% uh, affordable houses, including 14 units, uh, which will have a mix of uh, one, uh, sorry, four one-bedroom properties, six two-bedroom properties and four three-bedroom properties. The affordable housing will provide, be provided in a single bungalow and a mixture of two-storey dwellings. The management of these are still subject to the finalisation of a Section 106 agreement. All dwellings have private access, uh, sorry, have private amenity space uh, in accordance with Essex Design Guide. All dwellings include off-street parking, with additional parking provided without the site. The boundary of the site includes mature trees, vegetation, um, and it's proposed to retain these as much as possible. 
Uh, this plan identifies the location of the affordable housing within the site. Uh, it's the, um, the properties that are highlighted in blue uh, to the south, south of the site. The largest site within the application has been identified within the emerging local plan for the development of 40 dwellings. Paragraph 11 of the MPPF 2018 gives a clear indication for the presumption of sustainable development where there are no relevant or up-to-date uh, planning policies. This includes a five-year housing supply. It's considered that the weight is to be given to the requirement of a five-year housing supply. The housing provision uh, to be delivered by the proposal will outweigh the harm in relation to the rural restraint set out in local plan S7. Therefore, in planning merits, it's considered that the planning permission should be granted for the development. The layout, scale and design of the development uh, is appropriate to the context of the site and will be compatible with the other surrounding settlements and neighbouring new residential developments. No significant loss of residential amenity will arise from the proposal. The uh, amenity areas, parking provision are appropriate and uh, pro the proposal complies with local plan policy Gen 2 and Gen 8. The road and pedestrian access to the site is considered to be acceptable, subject to conditions imposed by the uh, Highway Authority and is in accordance with local plan policy Gen 1. The affordable housing mix um, for the development is considered to be acceptable and complies with local plan policy H9 and Gen 6, subject to Section 106 agreement. The contribution of uh, £142,113 in respect of education will be secured by Section 106 agreement. The application provides sufficient information and evidence to demonstrate the proposals subject to conditions would not adversely affect protect, protected species and wildlife, therefore is in accordance with local plan policy Gen 7. The proposal would not give rise to flooding issues and complies with local plan policy Gen 3. A drainage management scheme and mitigation has been provided within the smaller development uh, site across the road from High Lane. Uh, leading local flood authority has no objections subject to conditions. Uh, in regards to objections from the parish council and neighbouring properties, all planning issues have been addressed in the committee report. Uh, the following slides demonstrate the design of the housing. I've just put a few on there just to show you throughout the site, a mixture of uh, two-storey, two-and-a-half-storey and bungalows. The cross-section demonstrates the character of the street scene of the site. And finally, this, this slide is, um, I know some people asked for it, and it's uh, in regard to the refuge plan of the site and just demonstrates that there's an acceptable refuge uh, strategy with a 25-metre uh, collection buffer area.
So in conclusion, uh, and as set out in the committee report, uh, and in view of a five-year uh, housing supply, the provision of uh, affordable housing and education contribution, the proposal is recommended for approval subject to a section 106 agreement and conditions. Um, there has been a small revision to a couple of the conditions which I've just put in front of you. Um, they're mainly the legislation wording that we were informed by our ecology officer that just needed to be amended. So we've just put, it's quite minor, but we just wanted to make sure you had a copy of that. That's it. Thank you, Mr. Tyler. Um, we have um, six speakers on this item, so I'll take uh, Councillor Sell first, followed by Councillor Dean. Jeffrey, you have five minutes. Thank you, Chairman, members. I am one of the local members uh, for this area of land. Um, I should declare an interest as I'm a member of the Parish Council and the Neighbourhood Plan Working Group. I think I should start off by saying that I think amongst most of the speakers on this item there's a recognition that this area of land is in the emerging local plan, it is in our emerging neighbourhood plan, so the principle of development on this site is accepted. What is not accepted, though, is the details of the application. I believe, and others share my opinion, that it could have been a lot better than it actually has been presented to us. I know that we look at each application in isolation, but members should be aware that the applicant is the same applicant that is developing Walpole Meadows. It's relevant, I believe, because as you will see from this application, open space in this site is, well, see if you can find it, there's very little of it, and therefore people who live there will be accessing the open spaces in the much larger Walpole Meadows development and I'm sure we're all familiar with the 1383 how busy it is and you've got young children trying to cross over into the Walpole Meadows and we'll try not to tee up too much of your time chairman uh, I'd just like to draw your attention to the report of the landscape officer our landscape officer and particularly 9.37. As you will see there in 9.37, the officer says that six units are proposed to be 2.5 storeys, and it's considered that in order to reduce the visual impact of the, de the development, that the height of buildings should not exceed two storeys. This is a sensitive site. It is one of the gateways to the village, it abuts the Albury-Buxton Nature Reserve. From my point of view, I hope that members will take on board our landscape officer's views about the height of those six units and that they should not exceed two storeys. The report is somewhat disappointing in that it is quite dismissive of the Parish Council's concerns 
we have looked at it in quite a lot of detail and it's very important that we get a proper footpath network in this area because this application is on the outskirts of the village. We, well, I have suggested to the parish council that if you're minded to approve this application, I'd like to see some small 106 contributions. Bearing in mind this is 35 houses and the 106 were dismissed as, I think, inappropriate, uh, I, I have been approached by the Essex Wildlife Trust. Essex Wildlife Trust owns the Aubrey Buxton Reserve, which is an Elsa Street, a very short distance away and is badly in need of financial support for an all-weather footpath because more and more people are using this uh, reserve and I suggested the parish council £10,000. In this grand scheme of things, this is not a huge amount, I would suggest, and it's the nature reserve very much on the doorstep of this development. So, just to conclude... What I'd like to see is that this application be deferred for further consultations. I think we can do better, the council can do better, the applicant can do better, and I'd like to conclude with that. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> Thank you, Councillor Sell. Uh, Councillor Dean, you also have five minutes, Alan. Sorry, I thought my microphone was on. I beg your pardon, I'll start again. Please start the clock again. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, committee and chairman. I'm speaking this afternoon because, in my opinion, the application is not yet ready for determination. I could support an application for development on this site that is a better design and that integrates better with its surroundings. This application is substandard and so I ask the committee to delay a decision and refer it back to planning officers for negotiation with the applicant to achieve a more acceptable scheme with supporting measures. But it is not just the detailed design and supporting measures that are inadequate. The process seems to be substandard. I refer in particular to paragraph 11.3.6 and the sentence Quote, it should be noted that the Parish Council's comments have been taken into consideration and are considered not material or proportionate. I might say I'm not a member of the Parish Council. I'm, I'm very sorry, but that claim is not justified in any way in the documentation. Therefore, the report is substandard and I, I guess in extreme cases subject to judicial challenge. Stansted Mountfitcher Parish Council will speak for itself shortly. However, in my judgment, the single-sentence dismissal of some 15 points in the Parish Council's representation with a single sentence within the appraisal is, one, disrespectful to an elected body, two, lacking in evidence to underpin such a detailed representation and dismissal, and three, gives the impression that the author's lack of an understanding of the circumstances at and surrounding this application site. So I believe 
truly that more work is needed before you will be in a position to make a sound decision and I urge the committee to resolve that this is provided to you, the extra information. Could I then please just give you three points that I'd like to draw out. The first one is about pedestrian access and amenity. The emerging local plan calls for better connectivity for pedestrians. It is essential that the pavement along Cambridge Road is upgraded from where the recent Walpole Meadows uh, improvement ends goes where it, from where it ends up to five acres. And I, I, ask, I wonder why this has not been conditioned, because on this occasion Essex Highways has actually called for it in its, in its representation. So I can't understand why it's not been included, as far as I can see, in the proposed draft permission. A new public footpath should be created along the southern edge of the site, connecting Cambridge Road to High Lane, to form an extension of the footpath alongside the southern boundary of Walpole Meadows. This footpath would be along the site boundary with St. Teresa's Church and would affect the proposed exclusive self-build development to some extent. Besides improving connectivity for Walpole Meadows, it will provide a low gradient sloping southern entry and egress to and from the application site. Instead of forcing residents to walk to the northern end of the site for people using the lower street facilities, including the railway station, the suggestion of a stepped access to the southeastern corner uh, of the site is unacceptable for people with mobility problems and pushchairs, etc. Owing to the lack of public amenity on the site and to improve pedestrian connectivity for recreation with the nearby Aubrey Buxton Research, sorry, Nature Reserve and surrounding footpath network, a new footpath should be negotiated from High Lane between the Suds, the Flood Management and Ugly Brook to meet the path that's running along that extreme top left corner or right hand corner, edge should I say, to meet the path that runs from Lower Street to the Nature Reserve. These measures would also compensate the community for the damage caused to the tranquility of Pennington Lane by the nearby Walpole Meadows development. I support the Parish Council's call for a pedestrian crossing over the B1383. I also, um, the Parish Council is proposing a community land trust approach to the affordable housing. The District Council is developing proposals for truly affordable homes for rent or purchase, truly within the means of people with lower incomes. Bloor Homes made proposals in this direction for their Walpole Meadows development, and so I urge fresh negotiations to achieve homes that local people can really afford and yet have money left for food and heating. I urge the final de design is given thorough scrutiny in accordance with the Landscape Officer's recommendation at paragraph 9.3.8. At least one property at Walpole Meadows nearby was allowed to be built disgracefully close to the hedge line of Pennington Lane. During the summer of this year, part of that hedge was ripped out to expose one of the properties to the lane, spoiling it for walkers and damaging the ecology. Much tougher assessments and safeguards must be put in place if this site is to be developed 
owing to its being much more compact and liable to damage to the surrounding hedges and exposing the site to the surrounding countryside. A recent application on the opposite side of Pennington Lane, of High Lane, was given much more rigorous treatment by officers than this site and so has, been, has so far been subjected. I urge the committee to insist on consistency over policies such as S7, reference to the retention of a majority of the boundary trees in paragraph 11.10 could mean as low as 51%. That would be wholly unacceptable and I urge greater rigour. So Mr Chairman and committee members, I wish to end by repeating that this major application in Stansted Mount Fitchard has not been adequately assessed to date. I urge you to defer a decision and call for greater analysis of the whole application and the amenity needs of the community through negotiation. Please ask your officers to come back with a better set of proposals. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Councillor Dean. Uh, Ray Woodcock. Ray, you have three minutes. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Chairman, members of the Planning Committee, good afternoon. I'm Ray Woodcock, a resident of Stansted Mount I represent our Neighbourhood Development Plan Strategy Group. I'm also a police registered uh, speed watcher in the village. Our Neighbourhood Development Plan Group has supported the inclusion of this site identified in the emerging location. Uh, emerging local plan and is part of our advanced neighbourhood development plan. We do not object to the principle of this application. Indeed, Bloor Homes have been keen to present this fact as part of its case. We have discussed various issues with the developer, but they have not noted or responded to our key issues. This causes us concern, real concern. Within today's time limit, the following are some of our concerns. The site is in part steeply sloping. Its boundary has an important role in defining the northern entrance to our village. The trees and hedges surrounding the site must not be damaged during site construction or indeed their long-term health harmed in any way. How many trees will be re removed from the, uh, to accommodate the proposed access? We will the retaining walls close to the site perimeter harm the long-term health of the nearby trees and damage the bank? Are the two pedestrian accesses um, on the Cambridge Road side and the single pedestrian access on the High Lane side fully compliant with disability persons' needs and people with pushchairs? Pedestrians will use um, the walkway on the west side of High Lane, but there is no street lighting. This is not safe for pedestrians. It also um, affects Walpole Meadows residents. There are other road safety issues, of course, which are further south of, the, of this site. We are delighted to see that Essex Highways has included a condition requiring the pedestrian walkway from five acres to the roundabout to be improved. The other highways conditions should have been included in the officer's report. They are missing. Some of the plots um, are crammed together. The layout could be substantially improved. 
the garden layouts of various plots 5, 6, 8, 14, 15, 16, etc. Um, are likely to be overshadowed by their proximity or overlooked. Many of these are affordable houses. The gardens of many seem not to satisfy Essex design guide size and shape. It recommends uh, rectangular garden shapes. This is not achieved in this application. Contrary to the officer's report, paragraph 11.18, I quote, the site will have little, if any, relationship to the outlying landscape setting of Stansted Mount Fitchett. We strongly disagree with this part of the officer's report. The self-build plot size is disproportionate. This plot should be included in this planning application. Had this point been um, rearranged, we believe that significant improvements to the footpaths through the site could have been achieved. We believe that the officers convened, uh, we believe had the officers convened a meeting with Place Services, Essex County Council, the scheme design quality might have been very much improved to section 12 of the NPPF paragraph 127. We are concerned about the construction of the suds. Care must be taken to ensure the highways do not flood during constructions um, of the suds as it did when Walpole Meadows suds were being constructed. To conclude, in its current form, this application seems to be opportunistic and premature. Our neighbourhood development grant plan group's aspirations for this important gateway to our village and the community benefits it could bring to the village, including Walpole Farms, could be much greater than what you see today. Um, uh, Mr Chairman and committee members, we ask you to defer your decision to enable more meaningful consultation and further dialogue with the Neighbourhood Development Plan Group and our Parish Council to be undertaken to benefit all. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Woodcock. Uh, Daphne Wallace-Jarvis. Daphne, you also have three minutes. Um, Yeah, I have to declare an interest. I happen to live in High Lane. I'm also a member of the Stansted Mount Fitchett Parish Council, but but I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. (laughs) So, good afternoon. This actually is a lovely little site. It's both precious and prestigious for Stansted Mount Fitchett as it stands at the very entrance to the village. This is why we're concerned. Not that we don't want the development. We don't quite want this development the way it appears to be panning out. The planned development includes a lot of one and two bed properties, tandem parking, tiny inconvenient gardens, and very little open space in which children can play. These properties are likely to be occupied by young families with children or elderly persons. Why has the development therefore included steps down into High Lane? You can't get a disabled buggy or anything really down steps, and even I have trouble with steps these days. Um, 
The site, because of the predominance of one and two bedroom properties, has no future proofing, sorry, <laughs> provision, my apologies. It doesn't meet the concept of lifetime homes. No consideration appears to have been given to the natural setting of this site and the views that it has over the beautiful, ugly Brook Valley. Certainly some properties in there should have benefited from this view. Now, in view of the likely purchasers being single persons, couples and young families, elderly and disabled, there are very few visitor car parking places. There's already, sorry, there's no parking nearby in High Lane for overflow. There is already an issue with the closest houses to this development in High Lane, where there are up to 10, on average, cars parked overnight on the soft highway's verge. After a blind bend, and obviously illegally on the soft verge, there's nowhere else. They've got an official parking of 1.4 cars. This is for four three-bed houses. The verge was dug up with no notice given by Blower Homes, causing terrible distress to these residents who one night in the dark arrived home and found that there was nowhere, absolutely nowhere to park. And this verge has not been properly reinstated since that time. North of the... And there should, therefore, be something built into Section 106 which says you have got to reinstate this properly, if not build them a proper site. Um, these are our existing residents, and they shouldn't be damaged as they have been. North of the last house in High Lane, on both sides of the roads, we had daffodils planted, and they were put in by Stork Valley Rotary. When the verge was dug up, all the daffodils disappeared. We used to have, down both sides of High Lane, a superb approach in spring. It was something that people looked forward to. Now we've got uh, desolution. <laughs> now, going to the water runoff in the suds in the triangle to the right, I believe that this should be contained on site because as soon as Bloor Homes walk away from this site, all the water has been planned has to run under High Lane to reach this site. Who is going to get that and maintain it clear so that water does indeed flow under High Lane? High Lane here and on the Cambridge Road has a historic record of flooding regularly. Not only that, there's the impact further down in Stansty Mount Fitchett village with the flooding of shops and properties. Now, I have the copy of the report which presumably Bloor Homes obtained from Wormwood Burroughs Partnership Limited. And in here, it says, Uttlesford District Council published their strategic flood risk assessment in two March 2008. We are in 2018. Now, the major flooding that damaged all the properties down at the bottom of Lower Street happened after 2008. It's not true. I've lived there 40-odd years, and there's always been flooding in that area. Okay, finally, the site, as planned, is too cramped and conflicts with the NV7. There's totally insufficient and safe open space. 
To compensate and adhere to healthy living, Bloor Homes should, under Section 106, be required to construct and provide a 300-metre footpath, concessionary footpath link, <coughs> up to the Aubrey Buxton Nature Reserve, which is an Essex wildlife site. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry to go on. <laughs> uh, thank you, Daphne. Um, Ruth Clifford for Stansted Parish Council. Five minutes. Three. Good afternoon, Mr Chairman and members of the Planning Committee. As you've heard, the principle of development on this site has been agreed by both the Parish Council and the Neighbourhood Development Plan Group. However, we consider that the detail and layout of the application is inadequate and it cannot therefore be supported. We would urge the Council to defer this application so as to enable a much higher quality scheme to come forward which is befitting of this very prominent site on the edge of our village. Prior to submission of the application, Bloor Homes presented the scheme to my council, and a number of detailed and carefully considered comments and suggestions were made by us and submitted as our formal comments, which I'm sure you have all read in full. My council is therefore very disappointed that no substantive regard appears to have been given to our comments and that our concerns have not warranted a response by Bloor in any of their supporting documents. I'd like to highlight just a couple of our concerns. We requested an improvement to the Cambridge Road footway on the western boundary of the site, leading from High Lane up to Five Acres. In a letter dated the 5th of October from Essex Highways to the planning officer, this same condition was requested in the interests of pedestrian safety and accessibility. The planning officer's report has omitted this from their recommendations, and worryingly, other conditions requested by Essex Highways have also been omitted or not included in full. For example, the requirement for a construction management programme, although included, does not specify the need for wheel washing of construction vehicles. Now, during the uh, construction, in, particularly in the early stages of Walpole Meadows, we had endless complaints in Stansted about mud on the road, um, and we consider that this condition is essential, as well as its enforcement. There are no community facilities or adequate open space in this application. Uh, to enable the residents to make use of those on offer at Walpole Meadows, they need a safe passage to get there, and therefore our request for a zebra crossing, it's even more disappointing that that has also been left out. The step access through the site has already been covered, so I won't repeat that one. Turning to the high lane on the eastern side of the site, we requested traffic calming on this road. Our Speedwatch group has evidence to support the fact that traffic regularly travels along this road in excess of the speed limit. This data is collected over a period of years. It's not a one-off traffic survey undertaken on behalf of the developers, and nor does it follow the Essex Highways uh, procedure for coming up with such things. This is pure fact of what happens every day. So a zebra crossing and street lighting on this road at the point where the pavement crosses the road would be beneficial to pedestrians and would act as a traffic calming measure. Another concern relates to tandem parking. This invariably results in cars being parked in the road or in visitor spaces because householders don't want to play musical cars early in the morning. This happens regularly on the Forest Hall Park development and we ask you not to allow that mistake to be made again. The provision of public open space is almost non-existent. It is a pumping station right there at the northern end of the site. It should be centralised and accessible, and visitor parking should be distributed evenly throughout the site. Given the contours of the land, grip bins should also be provided. We note that the officer's report does not mention any substantive assessments to the comments made about the poor provision of on-site open space, 
and this further exacerbates our concerns about the inadequate garden sizes and shape which has already been referred to. So in conclusion, those of us who have spoken to you so far today appear to be of one voice. Please defer your decision on this application. This would enable two things to take place. Firstly, a meaningful dialogue between the applicants and the parish council and perhaps the planning officer with a view to achieving a proposal which is of the very highest quality, includes community benefits and can be supported by us all. And secondly, to review thoroughly all of the pedestrian and highway safety conditions which were requested by Essex Highways because those are, after all, the the only grounds on which they will accept this development. Thank you, Mr Chairman and Committee. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, Nikki Parsons, the agent. 510. Nikki, you have um, 19 minutes if you need it. Thank you, Chair, but I think you'll be sick to death of me after 10 minutes, so I won't take 19, but I appreciate it. Members, you have before you what we consider to be a high-quality, well-designed scheme that maintains the landscape setting of the entrance to Stansted Mount Fitchett and delivers the aspirations of your emerging local plan and, as you've just heard, the emerging neighbourhood plan. You heard mention about the lifetime homes not being compliant on this site. I would point out to members that lifetime homes no longer exists. It's been replaced by building control standards now, and I can assure you that this scheme has been designed to those standards. Those standards are the equivalent of lifetime home. And that is set out in the application and in the drawings. The scheme provides a good mix of housing sizes as well as delivering 14 new affordable homes and has a density, as you've heard, of 23 dwellings per hectare. Uh, The mix of affordable homes has been agreed with your housing officer and includes two bungalows. As a consequence, you can be sure that the proposal will contribute to meeting local housing needs. The proposal follows on from the discussions with your officers, the parish council, as well as a public exhibition. We believe that that process has helped to shape and refine the scheme to deliver a proposal that integrates well with the local landscape and provides new and improved footpath connections that benefit both the site and the wider area. On the footpath connections, I must point out to you that, yes, there are stepped accesses, there are also level accesses. If we were to make all accesses level, we would have to strip out the majority of the hedgerow that surrounds the site. There was a very clear message that came back from both the parish council and the local community about how important that hedgerow was. If we need to provide a ramped access, you lose that hedgerow. So that's an important consideration. The other important consideration is that there is a level pedestrian access through the site. You will just need to walk along to it in order to get to it. The other point you heard was the need or the desire for a southern pedestrian footpath along the bottom of the site. We have looked into that. Again, in order to provide that, we'd be ripping out the hedgerow along that southern boundary. We haven't provided that for good reason. Uh, It would also not negate the issue regarding land levels and the issues I've just mentioned about losing even more hedgerow. So we felt that the provision that we have accommodated in the development was an acceptable compromise. Local feedback confirmed the importance of the existing mature hedgerow, as I've said, and this has been retained as part of the development to ensure that the scheme maintains the landscape setting of this entrance to Stansom Mount Fitchett. The scheme is without technical objection from your statutory consultees and will be delivered by Bloor Homes. 
On the landscape point, I should point out that it is supported by a landscape visual impact assessment. That is not referred to by the landscape officer in his comments. He doesn't go on to object to the scheme. He doesn't go on to recommend refusal of the scheme. He goes on to suggest that detailed conditions are applied regarding the landscaping information that is to be submitted. And that has been included in the officer's report. There is also no response from the people that advise on ecological matters that require any footpath links across to the uh, nature reserve. That hasn't been requested by your statutory consultees. <coughs> I'd also point out that such matters need to be fairly and reasonably related to the development and necessary. You must make sure that any provision that you, you deem fit to be included in a 106 is compliant with the SIL regulations, otherwise you can't take it into account. The scheme complies with the standards set out in the Essex Design Guide and your local parking standards. Your committee report, I think it's page 25, gives you a full breakdown of all of the spaces per unit. So if you want to double check how many spaces each unit gets compared to the size of that unit, you can see for yourself. The development will commence early in the new year, subject to obviously achieving planning permission today, following the conclusion of the ongoing development at Walpole Meadows on the opposite side of the road. The Walpole Meadows site demonstrates the applicant's commitment to delivering a high-quality development that is attractive to purchasers and that is delivered quickly. Members, you can be confident that this site will be developed to an equally high standard and will be delivered promptly following the issue of a planning decision. It will not be one of those that is mothballed and sat there waiting to come forward. It will bring forward housing at a time when you do not have a five-year land supply in place and the scheme will assist you in rectifying this. Members, you have heard the officer's presentation and seen the site for yourself today. The lack of a five-year housing land supply and the emerging allocation status of the site provide important material considerations when considering the merits of this scheme. As I've already rehearsed, the proposal delivers a high-quality scheme that is without any technical objection from your statutory consultees. I've also supplemented what I've typed here with the, the extra bits and bobs that have come out of the, co the comments you've heard from others to explain to you today why I don't think that a deferral will achieve what the, the consultees have mentioned to you today. I hope that this gives you the confidence to accept your officer's recommendation and approve this scheme. Thank you, Nikki. Okay, that's all of the speakers finished with. So... Uh... I'm going to just uh, see if Mr. Brown wants to come back on anything. I will um, wait for the debate to start, but um, first of all, just to pick up, I do take exception to people challenging the ability of officers in committee reports, and it's getting quite tiresome to hearing it from speakers. You have the right to disagree with an officer, but not to question his ability, and I'm, I'm not having that, I'm afraid. Um, the, the big issue here seems to be the Section 106 package, to be honest. We are talking 35 houses here. That's a significant amount, but the contributions for a Section 106 have to be proportionate to development. I know that's very, very boring, but that's exactly how it is. And the, and the backdrop here is that and what is provided here is actually more than is actually justified under the civil regulations. Already, those, the flood mitigation measures are far in excess of what is required for 35 dwellings. There is a serious issue of flood risk within Stansted, which is accepted, and part of the solutions to that is not the magic bullet that will solve all of flood risk issues for Stansted, and it's not for this developer to do that, is the provision of land for attenuation for, for flood risk generally within Stansted, and it is not for this developer to 
solve all the problems of Stansted. Finally, one very boring technical issue, one matter raised by the Parish Council in their comments, which has just been alluded to by, by uh, Mrs Parsons there, has been the issue regarding uh, lifetime homes. Lifetime homes has been overtaken by Part M and there should be a condition on the planning application to enact Part M. It's a, it's a very technical issue. It's a build, it's, Part M is delivered under the building regulations, which is basically, for want of a better word, the new lifetime home standards but through the building regulations, but it requires planning to enact it in a planning permission. So when, when a building regulation is, 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 is delivered, there is a condition which means it will be Part M, which is in excess of what lifetime homes was actually. It does a lot more than what lifetime homes. So um, my suggestion is if members are mindful to approve this, then I would suggest that additional condition regarding Part M. Meanwhile, I may come back depending on what comes out on the day. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. I haven't got a mic. Thank you. Um, well, there's a couple of things I want you to pick up on. Uh, and firstly, uh, sorry? You're crackling dreadfully. Am I? I'm always crackling dreadfully. Right. Okay. All right now? Okay? No? There's something wrong. I'm a bit jinxed with mics, aren't I? Thank you. Is that better? Yeah. Ah, right, okay. Lost my chain of thought now. Um, yeah, it's been mentioned about the height of the, um, uh, some of the buildings, uh, and uh, I did pick up on that as well. Could you please show us on the uh, layout plan where the two and a half storey uh, houses will be? Because there's no mention of that. Sorry, they are to the south of the site, so nearer the round. Uh, sorry, north of the site, nearer the roundabouts, uh, and uh, so that's where the site um, goes down the hill. Uh, so the, the higher buildings would be there uh, at the lower part of the, the hill, not at the higher part of the site to the south. Okay, because the landscape officer obviously picked that up, but it wasn't mentioned anywhere else in the report uh, about where they were or how high they were going to be. So they're going to be on the lower part of the site. Okay, and the other thing, um, uh, it has been mentioned about crossing the main road, uh, which people will do to get from one to the other, and also you can get to Pennington Lane from there uh, and various parts of the village, the playground at Bentfield End. Um, so, do you know if there are any future plans to put a zebra crossing there or an island? Because that is a very unsafe and very wide part of the road. Uh, and since it's been urbanised by a, a roundabout, I think that is going to be a worry by residents of Stansted. And then I have something else. Uh, there are no future plans that are, we know of. However, there are refuse refuge crossing areas that have been constructed as part of the larger development across the road which link this site up as well um, including areas of um, pedestrian improvement as well but in terms of creating a crossing that will be for the highways authority to, um, to resolve themselves uh, and identify um, as part of a, a greater scheme for the area. Well, I, I don't know, perhaps I'm being naive. I actually do live in Stansted, but I don't know where those crossing points are for pedestrians. Could you tell me where they are, please? 
You've got the new roundabout which has been created to the top of the site to the north, if you can show that on the map there. And there have been crossings that, with, that have been created on both sides of the road, um, sorry, to the north of the roundabout. I don't have the map on me. Chris, can you point on the map behind you? Yeah. Yeah, there are various refuge crossings along and around the roundabout that have been created. Right, so a child would have to walk down that road to that crossing, to that busy roundabout, and cross there. I don't think that's ideal, but uh, or very safe in actual fact, but uh, if that's all there is uh, and there's no plans... Well, just don't forget, the, the proposal was from the Walpole Home development itself, the larger development, was to link that to the, to the village centre by those refugees crossing the road. And so just like if you wanted to go the other way and link back, those same refugees are there. So it doesn't necessarily require a zebra crossing um, in terms of those linkages across. The refuge do provide that ability to cross the road. Uh, right. Well, we'll um, sorry, I've just got one more thing. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future about that. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, and I think I need to point this out to Mrs. Clifford, because I've actually written hooray on my sheet, because uh, Mr. Brown and I are often at odds on wheel washing, because he doesn't believe in it, and I do. Uh, and I did notice that on page 18, it's got wheel and underbody washing facilities. So uh, I just wanted to point that out because I'll be keeping my eye on that vision, <laughs> be rest assured on that. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Councillor Redfern and then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. Um, I've just got a couple of uh, questions, if I could. Um, I wanted to understand, uh, the footpath bit is kind of bothering me and the removal of hedgerows if you did the footpath. I, I'm not sure that the two things, you can say we'd have to remove the hedgerow if you wanted to put a footpath there, but presumably you can leave the hedgerow and put the footpath alongside it or somewhere else. I, I, need to, I would like to understand why we can't um, have a footpath. I think connectivity to the rest of the community is so important um, but the thing that I'm most concerned about is the lack of um, open space in this I know it's not a very big development but it is kind of road locked and I think it's important they are family homes and some sort of um, play space I think is very is really important in that sort of situation so I'd like to understand why we haven't got that and um, my final point was to Councillor Dean um, I really don't understand what he's talking about bringing up truly affordable housing. This site provides affordable housing um, and I'm very pleased, to, I'm really pleased to see that's another 40% of the site is um, affordable housing so I'm you know, what, what does he mean by truly affordable? This is going to be provided, it will be affordable housing and presumably it will be allocated by the council so I'd like to correct that please. Um, I'm going to ask Mr Brown to just clarify the footpath and the hedgerow issue. I think it might be better for Maria to do that. Or Maria. <laughs> right, okay. Um, again, in terms of what's there, there is... Um, footpath has been extended to... It's probably easier if I get up to actually show you. 
So there is, there has been, as part of the highway work that has been undertaken in terms of the roundabout, as I say, there have been refuge crossings which have been developed to allow uh, for crossing to the other side of the road. There is a point that you get to where the footpath stops coming up from, um, up from the South Cambridge Road and you have an embankment area uh, which is heavily landscaped and then um, you come to the part of the site uh, which has, uh, if I remember correctly, an area of um, pedestrian footpath um, crossing there. Now there is a footpath on the other side of the road. There are refuse areas which allow people to cross over and use the footpath on the other side of the road. In terms of the embankment, there will, it will mean a removal of embankment which is disproportionate to the size and scale of the scheme and actually creating and extending it further to go all the way down. There are there has been an extension of footpath along here as part of other highway works. Again, I think it stops up a certain point, um, but there have been significant highway works that have been already um, undertaken as part of the drainage and the highway scheme across the other side of the road. Um, but there are safe crossing points. But in terms of highways actually asking for a condition that's unfortunately disproportionate to the size and scale of the proposed development itself when there are um, already opportunities that have been created and the scheme provides um, access as well at various points. <clears throat> Thank you, Maria. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I think we need to know what we are approving here. And I hate being confused, as you know. Um, we've just been told there are safe crossing points. I'd love to know what that means. Um, there are refuge points. I know it not leads to what those mean. Because when I arrived at the site today, I thought... The one thing that worries me is little children living in a newly built site and they've got to go somewhere. And I can't see where they go. And if I'm told there's safe crossing points, I'd love to know. That'll make me feel much better. But I'd like to talk about the whole process itself, if you don't mind. A lovely little site. This has been called a lovely little site. And that's really rather good. How often do we come across lovely looking sites? Lovely little site. We're told it's even sustainable. I was told today that you could walk to the amenities, to schools, and to, and to shops. That's all very good. We're told today also it's low density, and I love that, of course. We're told it's brilliant, over-engineered drainage, and good access. So it's a lovely little site. In fact, we're even told today that it forms part of the emerging neighborhood plan and emerging local plan. These are all great things, and I love them all. But it does worry me a little bit when my friend, Councillor Dean, says and he points to a page and he says, but the parish council's comments have been dismissed. Now, I'd read them, and I'd looked at them, and I wasn't parish council. But when I look at them again, they really have been dismissed. Sight aside, that worries me. That's always going to worry me. Because you know what? That's our job. We're obliged by law to consult and consider and engage with the community. And if the community feel that they've been dismissed, we've failed in our job. It's that simple. There are a couple of issues that worry me a little bit. I'm personally worried about tandem parking for 50% of the parking places. We have a policy against that. That's a minor detail, but one that worries me. I'm worried when they discuss archaeology and they say it's in a sensitive archaeological site. Who's the conservation officer involved who's going to handle that? Has it been done? But let's just go through the items that the parish council until they talk about foot lane and I guess the crossing is the one that worries me most. They suggest, just as a side, that a 106 thing to nature reserve. Now we've been told we can't do that. That's fine. They talk about the visual impact. 
and a 2.5 story. Can you please make it two stories? And these things can be discussed in a constructive and objective way. And I'm going to argue this. We might even almost be there. We may be in a situation where everyone actually agrees that this is a lovely little site. So why are we still not finding each other? So I'm going to suggest that we do defer this to do something right. Let's work together with the people that are involved so that everyone is engaged, no one is dismissed, and the small details like safe crossing points can be addressed. I would then be very happy to support this site. Thank you. Councillor Freeman, then Councillor Riles. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, to me, uh, this application falls into the class that teachers sometimes use that could do better because it's actually quite a good application in my view uh, but it fouls on one or two um, quite important points uh, one of the points upon which it fails and you're going to correct me on this I'm sure uh, is that actually it seems to be a piecemeal application a piecemeal development but actually it's the same the, the same company, Bloor Homes, as is doing the big one across the road. And so the argument comes forward, oh, well, that's the responsibility of the developer across the road. Uh, but actually, they're, they're the one firm. So it doesn't cut much ice with me. One of the problems that hasn't been considered at all, that has been dismissed rather than considered, is the whole issue of air quality. And I know in Alfredwood we don't worry necessarily very much about that. But on your own figures, that's on Uttersford District Council's own figures, uh, if you look at the latest data for Stansted, and that's the village of which this is a part, uh, we have a mean uh, of, uh, well, we have a mean of 47.85 micrograms per cubic metre in Silver Street. We have a mean of 45.40 micrograms per cubic metre. These are nitrogen oxides. Uh, in Stansted Grove Hill, and if we then go to uh, Newport, Newport High Street, we have a mean, it's difficult to read this, but it's about 40 odd uh, micrograms square meter, uh, cubic meter. Uh, now these haven't been attenuated yet because they all have to be adjusted and they usually fall down somewhat. But the point is the vehicles going to and from this site and the Bloor homes across the road actually produce nitrogen oxides and they'll be driving there either through Newport or through Stansted. They don't drop in by helicopter. So it is a matter which should be considered and it has been actually dismissed uh, to a large extent in their considerations. Uh, looking at the actual development itself, uh, it does lack open space. The, the gardens are generous by modern standards, uh, but there is no central space where people can congregate, and I think that's a loss, it's a shame. And there's quite a lot of tandem parking, and tandem parking is not good. It results in people parking on the street. And it does concern me, and I think it has been inadequately addressed, in fact, really not addressed at all, the issue of people living there, children living there, who want to go and play with their mates in the main development, the other side of the B1383. Uh, we don't know where the crossing points are. We're told that they're the responsibility of the other development, and that seems to me like uh, not a terribly good answer. In fact, essentially, Chairman, there seems to be a lack of a master plan for this. I would have liked to see this as part of a master plan, instead of which we're looking at a very small triangle of land without any real consideration, any context. You can just about make out the roundabout at the top. You can just about make out the balancing ponds for the major development on the top left 
of that triangle, but it's, it's inadequate in its own respect. So a suggestion that I would put forward is that we only have a density of 23 per hectare, which is very good. Actually, you could put more houses on this site. You could put more houses on this site, making it more economic from the developer's point of view, and fix some of these issues. Uh, you could fix some of the issues which we're worrying about. I think we're worrying about it with good reason, because it is on the entrance to Stansted, and the entrance properties give a sense of space. They give a sense of place to uh, the development, uh, to the whole of the community. And it's very important to get them right. We can all think of examples of developments where the sense of place is ruined by driving in through factories or fast food joints or whatever. I can name one, I won't, but there's a town not far from here which does that beautifully. Uh, and it totally destroys the image of that town. And I wouldn't like to see what is a very nice village of Stansted destroyed in that way. So a number of things I think we should um, embed in this. It really does involve going back to the drawing board. I would definitely put a Part M condition into it because I think lifetime homes is, was a worthwhile thing. If it's been superseded and improved by um, Part M building control conditions, that should certainly be embedded. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> you want to come back? Mr. Brown first, then Mr. Ross. It seems to me that the, I mean, the, the two bits to this is the, 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 first of all, the lack of open space on the site. This is an application for 35 houses. You cannot get open space on the site. That's a fact. However, I do respect that there is open space available on the other side. This is all about crossing the road. And so that's the big issue in what I'm actually seeing here. The other things, which has become part of a parish wish list, and I'm not dissing it, but that we, you can't use a development of 35 houses as an opportunity to to disproportionately seek contributions to absolutely everything that you feel like it should be contributed to. I know that sounds harsh, but that's exactly how it is. I personally think the critical issue here is the crossing of the road. The refuges, we are still trying to clarify the issue regarding the refuges in terms of it. This seems to be, rather than defer this, could I just suggest we have an adjournment for like 10 minutes to have discussions away from the... Obviously, members can't discuss it amongst yourselves, but I think there's an opportunity for me to speak to the local members and also speak to the developer in terms of where we actually are, because there seems to be lack of clarity over whether these refuges exist or whatever. I should also add that everyone's also lumping a lot of stuff on Bloor developments because they seem to be the developer. They are half of the developers on the other side of the road. It's a joint development, which between them, those two developers, Martin Grant Homes and Bloor Homes in themselves disproportionately provided a Section 106 package. They provided much more than a development even of that size would need to provide. So I don't think we, could, we should be confirmed, you know, assuming that Bloor needs to continue to sort out the problems within Stansted. So that, I just wanted to put that out there. That's why we're not dismissing the parish's responsibility, responses here on the 106 package. We just need to be proportionate. Okay, if everybody's happy, I'm going to take 10 minutes. No, I'm going to take 10 minutes for Mr Brown just to refer with the PC and to clarify exactly how these refuge crossings work and then I can come back to people and explain it a little bit better because I want to understand it better myself. So, 10 minutes, okay? Thank you, everybody.
Right. <coughs> okay. Okay. We're back. Uh, Mr. Brown, I'm going to ask you. Apologies to everyone. That's, I know that's quite irregular, but I think there's quite a lot to be gained by just taking time out just to have some discussions. Um, whether that's achieved an avoidance of a deferral, I don't know, but at least the, I don't want it to be deferred on a, on a point that we could have sorted out within this room. The two issues that I think we can clarify now are, first of all, how do the crossings work and how do the current refugees work and what they are, and the members can make a judgment in terms of whether they think that's sufficient or not, and then we can have a discussion around that. And the second issue is about the presence or non-presence of a footpath on the other side of Cambridge Road, if I've got that right. So can I put it across between Chris and Maria to, first of all, do the issues about the refugees, first of all. Put it on a plan that's not our plan, but... Okay. Um, probably just about see it on the plan which is on the screen at the moment. In terms of the refuse points, which are literally just dropped curbs with uh, what you would call kind of a, a, a halfway traffic island section to allow you to stop halfway through the road safely and to be able to safely cross to the other side of the road with another drop curb. There is. Um, a crossing up to the north of the roundabout. There is a crossing here on High Lane. There is also a crossing here um, just to the north of the application site, linking to the other side of the road. So in terms of um, a footpath crossing, uh, correctly said, there isn't um, a footpath for a, a long stretch to the west of Cambridge Road. It, um, it stops um, further south of the application site. However, what has been clarified is that there is a footpath in existence on the east side of um, Cambridge Road, although um, narrow, um, but it is existing and the proposed um, access to the south would allow say, well, access onto that footpath. Whether it's wide enough for safe um, access down into the town, that's something that obviously needs to be looked at in terms of where does that responsibility actually lie at the end of the day. Is it with a scheme to resolve um, or is it for the Highways Authority to resolve um, a, a uh, in terms of the wider scale of what's happening in this locality as well. In terms of access from one part of the site to the other, uh, there are, as I said, two footpaths. Um, one is a levelled footpath onto Cambridge Road to the north, which is um, DDA compliant, one with steps to the south. There is also an access um, which is to the other side of the site, which does link up to a newly created footpath um, along here. Um, obviously, uh, in terms of um, aspirations of additional footpaths um, through the adjacent property, uh, whilst um, obviously it, it's deemed to be in the same ownership of the landowner, 
It's not in the application site um, and doesn't form part of the scheme in itself. Uh, whilst to um, along the other side of the road, along the SUD scheme, um, that is within the application site. Again, not for consideration, but obviously that's something which we can possibly consider. Um, Okay, Maria. Um, Just to clarify, those refuges that um, Maria mentioned at the very beginning are secured from the Section 278 works from the, from the Bloor Mine Grant development opposite, and they are works that are progressing, and I think they've almost completed. And, but I think they are actually in place, but they have all secured under the auspices of the County Council's engineering team to make sure it's up to, up to scratch, and it, and it is up to scratch. So that's the story that we actually got in terms of back to my comment about crossing the road. Councillor Riles. I'm sorry, but I'm not sure I fully understand <laughs> quite whether you answered the question or not, Maria. I'm sorry. Um, because if I look at that road there, the Cambridge Road on the left-hand side, you're saying to me there's no pavement towards the Warbrick development. There is a bit of pavement at the bottom left-hand side, if you like, on the west side. But um, so... But my fundamental, my issue is uh, open space. Now, as you said, there isn't much space for open space, but I'm sure if you change some of those two-bedroom houses into flats, you could probably squeeze a little bit of open space. But anyway, um, but the coming back is my concern is, I think, with everybody around here, and I'm not going to go on as much as everybody else does, but all I'm going to say is what I would like is a decent crossing between this development and the main development, and I would like to see something like a pelican crossing, not just... Uh, where kids can run across to a, a little bit and, and wait while the traffic is flying a lot across, up and down, and then they run across the other side. It, that's like, that's playing, um, what's that game used to um, Chicken. Uh, I, and I don't think that's sensible when you've got, you know, the, 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 uh, the demographic of people who are going to be living there with children. So I would like to see a proper crossing from that development across the other side. I'd also like to see a pavement for them to go safely onto so they can walk down to the Warbrick thing. How you resolve that yourselves, a scheme, um, or whether it's one for highways, but I would propose a deferral until we can actually get these fundamental points sorted. <coughs> Mr Brown. Just to clarify that issue, there's two bits to that. First of all, I still need to keep going on about the fact this is 35 houses just, and it's not for them to, to sort out all the problems. And also, the Pelican Crossing issue or Zebra Crossing issue is not just a cost issue, it's about being able to deliver it. Last time I checked, a lower street, they're still waiting for your... You're still wait, yeah, Alan's just giving me that response. You're still waiting for your pedestrian crossing to arrive there. That isn't highways, that isn't the developer, that is the police objecting to the things. So literally, within this room, to, it's not, you're, you're asking something to be delivered there's something to be delivered by a developer that they may not be able to develop that because the highways may actually object to it. No, the issue on the... the, the issue, no, anyway, I'm, so no, no, I'm not opening that debate. All I'm just saying is, we, that, is that was a pedestrian crossing that was actually requested by the highway authority. But, but they haven't requested one here. So you could be in a position here that you are, if you get to the pedestrian link, whether it's Pelican Crossing, Tucon Crossing, whatever you know, you could end up getting an objection from the Highway Authority and because they need to take in turn, because it can create issues in terms of highway safety in its own right. Okay, if I may come back and you might say, well, it could be, they might say yes, they might not. Could we just try it? 
can we just, just have a go? Because I really don't think, I'm not comfortable. If my children were on that site, they would be rushing across that road as fast as they could. And we don't want a fatality just because we can't go through the process of getting a decent crossing. Okay. What I'm suggesting I'm is... I understand the yeah. financial implication. I understand, I understand, hang on, I understand that the developer can't produce everything, because, everything the parish council wants. But I think this is such a fundamental thing that I would like it deferred until it is resolved. All I'm pleading with members, if members are mindful to defer it, obviously that's not something I, would, I necessarily support, but if members are mindful to defer it, I want a proper reasons for defer it, not just to defer it, not just to kick the can down the road, to come up with deferral with the... What you've just mentioned is a fair enough comment. And if we can del No, no, that's not aimed at your one, because they could be end up in a shopping list here of stuff that we defer to. That if we can deliver that at officer level, we can come back and report that we've done it. If we can't do it, it'll come back next month. That's all I was going to suggest. The opportunity yeah. to try to achieve what you want to do. If I come back and say, we've achieved all this, we've achieved all that... We, we, I can come back and report that we've done that. If we can't, then we can't. I'm still not asking you to defer it, but if members are mindful to defer it, give us some instructions of what we can do so we can see we can achieve it at officer level. So basically what you're saying is an approval subject to? Yeah. Okay. Point of uh, order, Mr Chairman. Hang, point hang, of order. Uh, okay, I'll come back to you, Paul, okay? Councillor Redfern and then Councillor Fairhurst. Just for clarity for me, please. We've had a break for 10 minutes or so to for you to talk to, for officers to talk to the uh, agent and the parish council and the district uh, members. What did you resolve? Are, are they happy? I, I have no idea. You, you've, you've had a, we've had a break and now we've come back and we're carrying on. Maria's the, told us where the, the refuge site is. The clarification was for that very reason, to clarify the issues over the crossing of the road, the so refuge. So it's literally just where those yeah, refuge yeah. points were. That's all we were doing. Not, yeah, and not, I'd, I didn't want it to be deferred if that was the issue no. that was the difference between us. That's all it was. Okay. okay. That's fine. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr. Jim, you've got two proposers for a deferment. Can I ask you to go to a vote at this point? If we're going to do that, I need a reason for the deferral. Um, including the, the, the crossings on the one I'm worried about most. But there are a number of areas that were raised, and I think we should look at all of them. I think at Tandem Park and the layout, the, the, the green spaces, this is not ready yet. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm going to try and clarify how I see this. This is not a, a proposal that can offer a shopping list of which you can cherry-pick the items you want. I think that uh, the officers have a difficult enough job to try and balance what the developer wants to give them and what they can get out of something. Okay? There's a fairly substantial SUD scheme being developed out of this that will help other areas. There's 40% affordable. There's contributions to education. Okay? These are perhaps over and above what we would normally do. So to actually then come back with another list of we would like this or we would like that does not therefore make it necessarily viable. I'm not saying it's not aspirational, but it's something which we have to look at in balance. So what we have got is a proposal for a deferral, and we've got a seconder for that deferral, I presume. Okay? So I have to go to the vote on that issue. The alternative, if that fails, is that I will put this up as it is recommended for approval, but I will do that approval subject to the officers having the ability to resolve the crossing issue to the satisfaction of members so that we know that next month it would be reported back to us to say this has been resolved in the following manner. Therefore, the development can go forward 
and hopefully measures can be taken. If they can't resolve that to our satisfaction, then it would have to come back in a different form. Ours is not perhaps to try and resolve how many houses go here, whether they're flats, whether it's tandem parking. There are lots of things which we all think we could necessarily do better, but it's perhaps not our place to try and do that here today. So I have a recommendation for a deferral, and I have a seconder for that on the grounds that you've put forward. Uh, all those in favour of a deferral, please show. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> OK, five. All those against a deferral, please show. One, two, three, four. And an abstention from somebody? I would just... The only reason I'm abstaining is because I'm not absolutely clear on what your... What what is this recommendation? A uh, it would defer uh, it. No, I understand the deferral. No, it, I'll clarify but it I for you. I can do without you looking up to the sky. I, can un I understand we're asking for a deferral. I just want to know exactly what we're asking to come back with. Because if it's this whole shopping list of stuff, then I will support the... Uh, I will vote against it. If it's on a couple of items, I'll... You know, I, as far as I'm concerned, the, de the deferral is on the grounds that Council Affairs has put forward, which is mainly the crossing of the road, um, and then I think anything else that they could resolve in the month before it comes back before us again, then that follows. Mm -hmm. uh, I, this is not an open. This is not an open. You can all talk about everything. To me, the crux issue here is: can something more satisfactorily be developed to go across the road? Yes, Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I've been uncharacteristically quiet and a little bit ignored, but I wanted to speak on the issue of the, of the deferral. And I don't want to rehearse too many things, but I do, I do support uh, Councillor Dean uh, pretty strongly on, on saying that really we should, we should be working together, notwithstanding what Mr Brown says about it not being a massive shopping list for small development. But there are very specific things. The tandem parking, there should, there should not be tandem parking. I have no reason for that, for that to be there on a, on a, uh, a site which is um, uh, not, not, not hemmed in. Uh, it will cause a lot of problems. We've talked about the grid space. Can I add in one other thing, if this will, if this will uh, swerve uh, Councillor Redfern? Air quality wasn't mentioned there. Can I just reiterate, it was brought up, I think that Councillor Freeman brought up the notes there. Uh, we have illegal, not, notwithstanding that it is not a, an air quality management area, however, we do have illegal levels of pollution on Stansted High Street. Uh, either, even the, uh, the, the, the previous policy on air pollution would say that we cannot allow those to be worse and therefore we have to have a proper consideration of air quality and I would require it personally to be deferred on that basis alone. So I will very strongly support. We're going to do the vote again, I presume. Strong deferral. I'm going to do the vote again. I'm, no, I'm going to do the vote again. Because if those... If, no, no, let's get very clear. If those are the issues that you want this to be deferred upon, okay... You need to check with the No, I, I am checking with the proposer. If those are the issues which you wish it to be deferred upon, then Councillor Redfern can make her decision based on that. Personally, air quality issues whether we can resolve them in one month, one year, ten years is another issue. So I think you're just kicking the thing a long, long way down the road if those are issues that you want to undertake. So I'm asking you, what are your reasons for the deferral? And we will go to the vote again. 
Thank you. I would be very disappointed if we went to the vote again because the vote was very clear. As you said, it was about parking and any other substantial issues that we can change in the month. That vote was held. We had five and we had four. Um, to open the can of worms now, I think it would be irregular and I would be a little bit concerned about that. Well, I'm going to do it because uh, Councillor Redfern now understands what it's based upon. Okay? So, all those in favour of deferral, please show. One, two, three. Okay. Those against, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, the deferral is refused. <coughs> I will therefore now go to the vote on the main manor. Point of order, Mr Chairman. Yep. Could, could, could we ask our legal, expert, uh, uh, our legal representative if we have followed proper procedure there, having a second vote for something which was already determined? Elizabeth. In this case, the initial vote was problematic in so far as one vote cast, namely the vote to abstain, was a conditional vote and the member seeking to abstain made it clear it was a conditional vote and therefore not her final opinion. So therefore, in the circumstances, what the chairman did was reasonable. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay. So, uh, does anybody else have anything to say before we go to a vote on the main issue? Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I'm sorry. I don't wish to uh, stir up uh, problems and I don't wish to elongate it. But one of my main concerns is I've been travelling up and down that road fairly frequently the last few days, few weeks, and it is the balancing ponds there. We, we're on, we're concerned about the children crossing the road which is fair enough, and I think that's the most important thing. But if they cross the road and then fall into the balancing pond that's full, without a fence around it, I'm serious, I'm dead serious. But probably has nothing to do with it at all, but it, I needed to mention uh, I'm pretty sure they'll be fenced, is that correct? Mainly they're dry. dry. They're mainly okay. dry, but they're also management agreements around a mall as well, which includes liabilities, which would require fencing. Okay, uh, we have a recommendation from officers for an approval. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> Can you just reiterate the condition that the I, officers will come back, please? Yeah, um, all right, I'll, clari I'll clarify sorry. that. I'm, I'm going to ask officers to come back uh, with... Uh, hopefully an improved recommendation for the methods of crossing, okay, and for that to be conditional on the application going through, okay? There's been no proposal. I need a proposal. This is the way we do things. Someone stands with I propose, accept you on the following conditions. It's not a dialogue. Okay, I'll take that. All right, I'll propose it. Does that find a seconder? Sorry, Chairman, can I just, sorry, can I just clarify what you're asking? Are you asking for this to, to again, for a deferral, or are you asking no, for it to I'm, be approved? No, I'm asking for it approved, subject to an improved uh, a method of crossing the road coming forward. What do you mean by improved? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm being difficult now. Yes, you are. <laughs> 
Are we going back to Councillor Ryle's request for some sort of formal pedestrian crossing? I'd, I'd like some exploration of it, even if it's a, a, a safe refuge crossing at a higher level on the road. And I know that will come down to road widths and things like that. Uh, so whether that is possible to be done. If it has a cost implication, then it will be something to be taken up with the developer. It's, it's a highway safety issue, so not necessarily a cost issue here. Um, so therefore, oh, I, I just need to be quite clear because we're going to go away from this room afterwards. If we are able to, I'm not promising anything, if we are able to achieve a formal pedestrian crossing of the type that Councillor Riles has said, then are, members, are our members satisfied, subject to agreeing to your recommendation, for us to do that at officer level? If we cannot, and if it's not a formal, it's not for us to judge, because as far as we're concerned, the crossing is okay as it is. So that it is not clear. So can I just suggest, if you are going to request that, if it becomes a formal crossing, then we can do that at officer level. Otherwise, we'll come back, and it's, it's a yeah. deferral again. <laughs> are you happy with that? I'm not happy. You're conditionalising so without any clarity about what the condition pertains to. A formal clause, I could say, I approve this scheme provided it complies with the sustainability index. Well, philosophically it's not, because that's what we're proposing we're going to do. Um, that's the main issue restricting this from being approved. Can I speak, yes, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Oh, right. When this comes back, if we, if we approve it today and uh, we cannot get this crossing, it will, perhaps it will come back, it may get refused next time because of that. members may feel that it should be refused. How will we do at appeal? How do you think? You will end up with less, I would substantiate. I still would suggest that what's put forward as a Section 106 package is in it, what you've got on the table today is in excess of the sealed package. If you refuse this on the basis of a formal crossing is not achieved, then that's a highway refusal reason, and you know where they go at appeal. And secondly, the sealed package is likely to... A subject to the developer could quite easily say, well, I'm going to reduce it. And so your flood mitigation measures could go as well. That's why I think we all need to avoid a refusal. But that has to be the backdrop if you're insisting on a development to be happening. And so, so I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be comfortable if members were mindful to refuse this on the grounds that we're talking about. But it's picking up the opportunity to try to make it better. Yes. And, and, I, and the only way you can formally do that is a formal crossing would be the only thing we could achieve that was quite clear. If I come back to you next month and say we've achieved a pedestrian crossing in that location, then you, that's subject to you picking that up. You know, that, you, know, you haven't agreed to this resolution yet. So. Sorry, well, that's what I thought. That's why I thought I'd ask you that question, just to be clear in my mind. Thank you. So, Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, I think that's been so well said. I thank Mr Brown for that response. That's the whole point. We want this development to take place. We do not want to refuse it. That's why we defer it. We defer it to get all the nuts and bolts done so we can say yes to this process. So if you conditionalise it, it's fine. If you say we're going to accept on based on a clear condition, meet these objectives and the officers can go and do that, we get a, an approval of the process. If we have some nebulous process, it's a formal crossing, we don't get it, it's a rejection. We want this to happen, chaps, and that's why I say get a deferral. It's a simple situation. The officer will get it done in a month and we have something to look at next, week, next, year, next month and approve. Please, I ask you to understand this. Councillor Lim. I, I just have one question. Is that, um, 
I've been trying to get a, a, a proper crossing in the village that I live in, and I don't think it's possible to deal with highways and all the other authorities that you'll be able to do that in a month. I think it's, it's yeah. high in the sky. Yeah. I've been trying for five months and still haven't got an answer. So, you know, you'll be very lucky to get an answer in a month. Can I say it took 11 years to get the last crossing we have in Stansted? Yeah, I, I'm, I note your point. I note your concern. But to a certain extent, we've taken a vote on a deferral and turned it down. Uh, no, that's it. Basically, under the conditions which Mr Brown has applied, I'm going to ask you all to uh, cast your votes for a conditional approval based on what we've said. Okay? If he can't achieve that, then it comes back to us anyway, and you still have the option to refuse it. Okay? So we're all clear on that. So otherwise it comes back to us anyway. So I'll ask yet again, and for the final time, hopefully, all those in favour of a conditional approval, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. All those against, please show. One, two. Those abstaining? Conditional, conditional abstention, Mr Chairman. Conditional yes, abstention. <laughs> okay. That item, that item is conditionally approved on the basis that it's going to be improved somewhat by Mr Brown. No, no pressure. Thank you very much, everybody. Can we have a break? <laughs> We're just going to take five minutes, then we'll come back to the second application.
Mr Alana to take us through it. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon, everyone. The application before you, Chair, is uh, relating to a site known as Oli End Station. And uh, the main proposal here, the site application itself, is the red uh, boundary line there. And uh, the proposal is a surface car parking extension to Oli End Station railway station car park to provide an additional 152 spaces, lighting, CCTV, security cameras, signage, access and associated hard and soft landscaping, revised application. The application site uh, is roughly approximately 0.4 hectares, which is roughly 4,000 square meters. The site parameters is bounded by a mixture of dense vegetation, as you have seen it, and trees and retaining structures to east, north, and east and south sides to those members who followed us to site visits this morning. The site itself comprises of an area of semi-improved grassland covered with scattered trees. The main issue is in your report, Councillor, but before I descend on that, um, there are two documents circulated this morning. One is to do with the uh, agreed condition based on the new legislation that came into force 1st of October 2018, known as pre I mean, preconditioned commencement 2018. This is whereby the local authority and the developer applicant need to agree on a certain condition imposed on a, on a proposed scheme. So that is the copy before you here. It is almost identical and similar to what is already in your report before you. Second point, there's another document circulated this morning following the site visit conducted and uh, the chair asked me to produce more information, which I've got here. I hope everyone has got it, the one I'm showing at the moment. And I'm going to use it to demonstrate some issues. This is the proposed application site. And this is the proposed plan. The whole idea is people will drive in from here up to that point. At the moment, this, this proposal will lead to loss of two existing car parking spaces in order to create in and out exit to the proposed site, which is that one over there. Here we have drop curbs whereby pedestrians will be able to use to access the site, jump into their car and exit. Those members that have followed us to the site visit this morning, they should, I, I did indicate that the existing CCTV camera here will be relocated to these blue spots. There are an indication within the proposed plan showing new CCTVs and, and lighting as well. I need to remind members, there's also an existing uh, ticket machine here which will be removed. The reason being that this new car park will be introduced with a new technology whereby as soon as you drive in, there's a CCTV camera that will take a picture of your car or details of your car, and when you come back from your train trip, you pick up your ticket and you pay the amount, so to speak. So it will be digitalized, so to speak. 
Hence, they are dis removing the existing uh, ticket machine at this location. Oh, sorry. Now, there are some concerns in terms of uh, members asking the proximity of this car parking layout. Just for information, this spot that I'm traveling with an existing landscaping area. It will be maintained. In the information sheet that I've already provided, I would like to demonstrate that the distance from the boundary of the application site, if you look at that sheet that is in front of you, to a building known as the Brockett is 58.3 meters from the application site. There is also um, monthly lodge, which is this somewhere again in the sheet that I've provided, is roughly 80.9 meters to the distance to the boundary. We also have monthly hall, which is somewhere outside there. It's roughly again 79.4 meters. The idea here is to enable members to understand the distance of all these buildings, both offices and um, hall, to the proximity of the boundary to the application site. As I said, our landscape office has negotiated here. The existing hedge you saw this morning will be maintained. Therefore, those who are occupying these blocks of flat will not be able to see directly to the so-called proposed car parking area. In conclusion, Chair, the principle of the development is acceptable because it will encourage a sustainable traveling method advocated by the national policy as, as cited in my report. Two, the design and layout of the scheme will comply to all the highway engineers have already advised subject to the condition before you. Three, issue regarding ecology has also been conditioned including archaeological implication on this site, also conditioned. Overall, Chair, this scheme or this proposal, this revised scheme from 159 to 152 car parking spaces, including the associated uh, structures shown before you, is recommended for approval subject to the agreed condition before you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Alana. Uh, we have three speakers first. Yes, Councillor. Uh, can I um, make a I think a declaration of interest? I'm not sure. I'm chairman of the Transport Forum, of which Greater Anglia have a representative on, and I'm not sure whether I should declare that as an interest. Uh, uh, I think, just for the record, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, I'm also vice chair of that committee, so yeah, okay. It, we've noted it, okay. Um, we have three speakers. Sorry, uh, if Mr. Wolford would like to come forward. And my apologies for the delay, Mr. Wolford. I think Councillor Fairhurst will just pass one across. You have three minutes, basically. Well, Chairman and members of the committee, thank you for inviting me to speak. 
I invite you to reject this application, and there are five things uh, I wish to say, and in fact one extra one in the light of what we've just been told about that map. The first reason is that the justification given by the applicant uh, for uh, expanding the car park is flawed because they say that there's a need to expand the car park because there's going to be an increase in train services at Audley End. But that is not true. I spoke to Alan Neville, the service rail manager, sorry, senior rail manager for the area, and he said a number of things, but the three main things that he said were, one, the Liverpool Street to Cambridge line is already full to capacity, and there is no scope, he said, for any additional services. Second, the second thing he said was, Greater Anglia has no plans for any additional train services on this line in the short term, the medium term, and the long term. And the third thing he said is that there is planned new rolling stock, but that will not that's to re replace what's already in use. It won't increase capacity by any measurable amount. So the applicant justifies the application by relying on increased trade and services that are not going to happen. That's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing is that there is in fact no evidence of need for an increased car park. The traffic survey shows that there are currently 111 spare parking spaces in that car park. They want to build another 152. And what that means is that there won't be 111 spare car parking spaces, there will be 262 or maybe even 263 car parking spaces free. So there's no need for this proposal. And on those grounds, it should be rejected because what you have been told in the application materials is not correct. And I don't put it any higher than that. Then the third thing I wanted to say is that the application does not comply with policy Gen 2. Gen 2 requires appropriate mitigation, mitigating measures. In 2009, when the car park was last extended, this committee applied that policy and required, as a planning condition, it was condition C90D, if anyone wants to check, that there should be a three-metre earth bank to the north and the east of the application site. That bank, which you will have seen this morning, was effective to mitigate the noise, the light spill and the fumes from the existing car park, as it now is, for the benefit of neighbouring properties. This application removes that earth bank and provides for no mitigating measures for the neighbouring properties at all. Policy Gen 2 would not be complied with if you grant it in this form. No reason has been given by uh, uh, the applicant for removing the mitigating measures uh, and none can be. So whilst my primary position is that the application should be rejected, I do say that if you're minded to grant it, it should be subject to a similar condition, viz that there needs to be an earth bank along the eastern and northern boundaries. And just 
if I can just interpose to add to what I was going to say, the uh, diagram that you have up there shows we were shown a sort of stripe across the top. That's what we're being, is, the arrow is on at the moment. That stripe is actually on my property. So I'm not quite sure why it is being relied on as a mitigating measure being, be, being provided as part of the application. There is no mitigating measure, and the application site comes right up to my and my wife's fence. So, uh, and, and, uh, so that is the third point I wish to make. The fourth point is that at least 14 mature or semi-mature trees will be cut down contrary to policy Gen 7 if this goes ahead as it is. And the location of those trees, you may have seen them today, but most of them are on the, if you look at the diagram there, there's a sort of arrowhead in the centre with a double line of car parking spaces. And there are semi-mature beech trees, home oak, some cherry trees, which are on site. Policy Gen 7 says that they should be retained if possible. And it's again important that the applicant for the 2009 consent specifically offered the retention of those trees in order to persuade the, this committee to grant the 2009 car park extension. That offer was accepted and was incorporated as a planning condition and it was C4.1 to that uh, uh, planning consent. So, the applicant's proposal, as you see from the map there, contemplates cutting them all down and instead having a complete run of tarmac. They do keep a small stretch of hedgerow, but that is not the issue. The issue is mature trees which are being cut down in a rural area. And again, I say this application should be rejected, but if you're minded to grant it, I suggest it should be subject to a planning condition requiring the retention of the trees and the cars can park in the considerable spaces that you would have seen this morning where the trees are not. It might involve a little bit of a redesign, but they can put the car parking spaces and keep the trees with appropriate... Um, um, uh, uh, what are, I don't know what they're called, gratings, to allow the uh, water to get into the roots. Can I wind and you the, up now, Mr Wolford? Yes. La the last point is this. There are no proposals in... Uh, uh, this application for minimising light spill. If you grant permission, it should be on the basis of low-level lighting, switched off or at least reduced between midnight and 6am, with proper thought as to retaining the night sky, and not the, the five or six metre columns that are referred to in the application. So my conclusion then, uh, Chair and members of the Council, is that the application is not justified and the Council's policies for the protection of neighbouring properties have not been complied with. And for those reasons, I urge you to reject it. But if you're minded to grant permission, then I say, for the protection of the village, it should be subject to the earth bank, protection of the trees and low-level lighting. Thank you very much, and I'm sorry for...
focusing on your time. No, I thought I'd let you finish. Um, okay, uh, Isabel Grant on behalf of the Parish Council. Isabel, three minutes ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm chairman of uh, Wen the Zamba Parish Council. Audley End Station Car Park is located within the small village of Wendon Zambo. The villagers of Wendon Zambo wish to object to this application for the following reasons. We believe that this application is premature. There is no verifiable evidence that more parking spaces will be required above the current levels. In fact, the numbers may decrease. At the moment, a large number of spaces are available on any given day. The provision of more parking suggests that travel to this railway station will encourage even more car journeys to be made, contradictory to central government's intention to reduce the use of motor cars. The officer's report is misleading in suggesting that drivers who drive to London will switch to rail travel. This is incorrect as there are currently spaces available, but they're not used at the station. It was an important condition of a previous successful application for the expansion of the car park that there should be an earth bank between the car park and the adjacent residences to give protection from noise and light pollution. The proposed removal of the existing earth bank and the removal of a large number of mature trees will decimate wildlife in this area. The installation of lights five metres high will significantly increase the light pollution experienced by all villagers. Any increase in traffic volumes will adversely impact the air quality in the vicinity of the car park. These points would indicate that there is no interest being shown to protect the well-being of existing residents. The access roads in the local area do not have the capacity to cope with existing traffic volumes, so the situation will be made even worse by the possibility of a large increase in the number of parking spaces and traffic. Information used in the applicant's transport report appears to be based on only one site visit and measurement of traffic volumes on one day. The lack of proper analysis does not justify the need for extra parking. It is not mentioned who will use these additional parking spaces. Anecdotal evidence was also quoted and used as a fact. No information from NCP car parks was used in this transport report. NCP could provide excellent information about the number of car park tickets sold each day. Footfall figures are quoted, but there is no mention as to how the figures are calculated. Volume increases are precisely stated and seem to be plucked from the sky. The junction of Station Road and London Road is unlit and with larger numbers of vehicles using this area, the possibility of accidents will increase. Claims that there has only been one traffic accident in five years at this junction are incorrect. There have been a number of accidents there. In conclusion, the Parish Council, on behalf of the villagers of Wendon Zambo, requests that this application be refused. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. No, you're welcome. Um, thank you, Mrs Grant. Uh, Mr. Luke Coffey. Luke, sort of eight to ten minutes, but I'm sure you won't need that. I'll keep it to three, Chair. Mr. Chairman, members, thank you for this opportunity to speak on behalf of Greater Anglia. Rail patronage in the east of England has experienced a significant increase over the last decade, resulting in increased passenger use at Audley End Station. Future growth of rail use is forecasted to increase over the next decade with a predicted 50% increase in passenger trips. 
coupled with planned improvements by Greater Anglia in train capacity on the network, there is a clear need for improved parking provision at the station. Greater Anglia is investing around £1.5 million in improved parking and station facilities for local people using Audley End Station. This specific scheme will address existing inefficiencies in parking provision, which currently act as a deterrent to using public transport and cause users to park informally in the surrounding area. The scheme will promote the use of sustainable public transport, with approximately 30,000 extra passenger journeys per year anticipated as a result of this expansion. The scheme will discourage the use of private vehicles, which in turn will reduce congestion and emissions in the wider area. Planning permission has historically been granted for development of this site for car parking in connection with Audley End Station. This planning application presents similar conditions to the grant of that application, in which current demand and forecasted rail patronage at the station necessitates the need for a car park ex expansion. The application before you has been the subject of an extensive programme of engagement with officers and you will see from the committee report that there are now no outstanding objections from officers or the County Highway Authority. Concerns raised during the consultation period have been comprehensively addressed through a series of design refinements. This has included the retention of the hedgerow along the northern boundary to further screen the proposals from adjacent properties. We note the concerns of residents and the Parish Council regarding the impact of the car park expansion on the amenity of nearby properties. The application has fully demonstrated that there would be no change to the existing conditions experienced by residents. This is due to the proximity of the properties to the site and that associated movements with the car park would be spread out over the day. And particularly, outside of peak commuting hours, trips would remain relatively low and infrequent. Working collaboratively with the planning department, you will see that there is a comprehensive suite of planning conditions that will ensure an appropriate level of mitigation will be delivered through the detailed design and construction of the scheme. This includes controls over the lighting design, ecological enhancements, provision of additional cycle parking and, adoption of a and the adoption of a construction method statement. I kindly request that you support this investment in the area by Greater Anglia. Thank you all again for your time. Thank you, Mr. Coffey. Okay, uh, over to you, members. I've got Councillor Riles, then Redfern, and then Wells, and then Freeman. Thank you, Chair. Um, if you were, if I, the, the information I've got in front of me here said that the, uh, that the car park was overflowing, uh, we've got neighbours upset because people are parking in front of their drives. Um, and that sort of scenario, then I can understand that the, we, I would be looking at it in a different different perspective. However, from what I'm seeing initially is that there is these additional spaces, uh, 111 vacant at current peak occupancy times. And, and also, Mr. Wolford has already mentioned he's spoken to um, Greater Anglia. Um, what's the point? I mean, why, why would we want to go through all this disruption and upset for the neighbours um, when I don't think there's actually a valid demand? Um, and I, I also listening to the gentleman representing Greater Anglia, I don't understand how this scheme is going to discourage private vehicles if you're putting out more car parking spaces. Sorry, I didn't quite get that one. Maybe you can explain that to me later. So I don't see the point, unless I can be convinced otherwise, um, that this should be approved. <coughs> okay. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, um, Chairman. Um, 
I have a. First of all, um, it seems to me that this is an excessive increase on the land use of the station at Audley End. Um, if the, I mean, there's obviously some discussion over whether or not these extra spaces are used, but it's quite a sloping um, site, and I just feel that if uh, Greater Anglia want to do a proper job of it, they should think about doing a proper um, improvements to the car park with a they've got room, they could be a second level, without pushing it out into taking up more and more space. In a this is a tiny village. Um, and I am, we put in the mitigation before with the earth fund, and I can accept that perhaps that may be removed. But to remove the trees as well, um, I, just, I just think that's unacceptable. They were part of the previous application. Um, again, I reiterate the concerns about the high level lighting, I don't understand why it has to be um, so high but the other issue I have really is um, it's a tiny village it's, um, the, we're, for some reason Essex don't seem to have commented on this and we have all these extra cars coming into the village of Wendon Zambo round a mini roundabout that's badly lit in, uh, in the evenings and in the winter and there, we, know, we know that on the B1383, although their, their report says there's only been one accident, I think that's probably one accident that's had an ambulance call because I have um, been assured by the parish council that they're often out there clearing up bits of glass where there has been other accidents. I don't understand why we're not looking, why we're not asking Greater Anglia to look at um, mitigation on the roads outside. They're bringing all the extra traffic in there, and I feel that there should be. Um, some sort of support for the existing community. Um, so for me, I really don't feel I could support this. I have an issue with uh, the trees being removed, the light pollution, the roads, and the push out into all the open space that's left around that um, site. I just think that's unnecessary. Thank you. Councillor Wells. Right, well firstly I'd have to say that I am pro providing car parking space because we are always getting on about people using, not using their cars to get to work, and I think that's what the agent was suggesting, the fact that people will use the train and park there rather than drive to London or wherever. And that said, in a rural location, people have to have somewhere to park. It's no good turning up to the station, as so often happens more towards London, and there's nowhere to park. But that said, I accept this is a rural area and I was concerned about a couple of things. Firstly, one of the speakers mentioned that it came right up to their boundary and yet I, I was just wanted some clarity on that map where the white bit is that the boundary of the house behind. Are we, does the fence go up to the boundary? Secondly, if we were to um, approve this, could we condition low-level lighting? And the other thing is, can we not consider or reconsider the removal of trees and an earth bund if um, there is not that I, I anticipate that with all the house building that's going to be coming forward that there will be a need but um, can we not look at retaining some of those trees and could you also tell me what where our fence goes is it onto a neighbouring property or is there a gap between because from the map here that we've got it suggests that there's a gap between so could you clarify that please <coughs> Mr Alana yes councillor 
if members remember, uh, when we came here, we tried to climb a little bit of an undulated side to get to the side itself because at the moment it's not leveled. I was able to take members to, we were all standing here. Now, the trees uh, that has been raised, they are talking about, is majority of the mature trees are outside the perimeter fence, the deer fence. If you remember, I was saying to members to take note, there is no matured trees indicative already on the ground. Because when we are standing here, what we saw is just some plants and one or two small trees. But behind the fence, behind the deer fence, you have trees and so on. So, and I also want to remind members this particular application in terms of archaeological and tree issues has been thoroughly scrutinized by our landscape officer. And the only focus and concern of the landscape officer is somewhere here to retain the hedgerows and the rest of it that is screening the site from this angle. There is no tree actually here. The trees you are probably referring to are outside the perimeter fence. So here, there is no mature tree. We went there today. There is only one or two small trees here. They are not uh, TPO trees. And um, the rest are just flat vegetation. Here is, if you like, these are the screening existing boundary fence of trees. Just behind the deer fence, then you have those vegetation, so to speak. What I have done this afternoon, to, the reason I provided this is because the chair wants to know the distance of some of the offices and um, some of the buildings that have identified as Brockett office, office building, the Robinson bungalow, which is somewhere here, which is somewhere here, Robinson bungalow, that is 33 meters here. Then, um, Matlow Lodge, which is just somewhere outside, somewhere there, according to the map I've given you. So I've indicated the whole distance. Then you have what is called Matlow Hall. Again, 79.4 meters from the boundary, the, the deer fence to Matlow Hall. And why I have done this is to demonstrate that the boundary of this application site is quite very far away to any receptor, so to speak. Thank you. Uh, point of order, Mr. Chairman, yeah. if I may. I, uh, I did drive around to Mottolo Hall and uh, walked in the back garden. Um, I think that uh, Mr. Alana is, is actually wrong in his assertion there. I believe there are somewhere of the order of a dozen mature trees uh, which effectively are where the top line of car parks are. I believe that the, the white line around the top of the site uh, means nothing at all. I, I believe it does not exist. The deer fence is immediately behind the top row of car parking spaces and there are a significant number of mature trees precisely where those car parking spaces are shown. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to carry on and I'm going to come back to that, okay? Uh, Councillor Freeman and then Councillor Chambers. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, much of what I wanted to say has already been said, so I won't waste their time. I think uh, retaining trees, we should do that. Um, they take a long time to grow. It's vandalism to cut them down. So where they can be retained, they should be. 
Uh, we don't need an earth bund. I think the earth bund uh, obviously functioned well, <coughs> but I'm told that it was probably an act of convenience to the constructor not to have to remove the topsoil from the site. Uh, nowadays, you can achieve the same level of noise mitigation uh, with a concrete wall prefabricated. I think that should be ex in existence around the perimeter of the site, maybe a three-metre one. <coughs> wouldn't be hard to do. It would make an excellent deer fence. Uh, deer won't jump over a three- or four-metre concrete wall. Uh, I think we could have more road improvement. I noticed some, there is already some mentioned in here in terms of, uh, I think on page... Uh, let me see. Uh, page 48, section 5, uh, they refer to a six-metre-wide entrance to allow two-way traffic. That's a good thing. I think we could improve uh, the quality of the road surface further down uh, where you leave the main road. It always breaks up in about six months. It always takes about a couple of years to get it repaired. Mainly, of course, it's a concrete subsurface, which is, doesn't mix well with tarmac. But I think also, particularly the light uh, spillage should be addressed. You don't need five metre high luminaires. They could be three metre high. You need more of them, but they don't intrude so much on the surrounding properties. So these are all things that can be done. You'll be pleased to know an officer level. Uh, I don't think there is a need for this extension of the car park, but that's not a planning issue. If you want to build a bigger car park, you go and build a bigger car park. If you can get consent, do it. Whether it's commercially sensible or not is not within the bailiwick of this committee. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. Perhaps you could confirm one way or the other. Consideration. I'll ask Mr Brown to clarify. Okay. Okay. I must say what Councillor Freeman has just said to me is frightening the living daylights out of me in terms of what's proposal. The need for this proposal is not a planning consideration, but... It should not be lost that this station is a station on the edge of a very small village and the bit that you're going into is open countryside. And the fact you're talking about 79 metres, 80 metres, 50 metres, doesn't matter what it is, the houses around it on the, the Matlow Hole is a house in the open countryside. It's just a house sitting where it is in open grounds. And that's where, if members are concerned that this shouldn't be happening then you go back to first principles. You go back to it's development, S7 development, that shouldn't happen. And I must say, I'm worried about this application myself, having heard what I've just heard, because we're now talking about light mitigation. We're talking about something, all these mitigation issues, loss of some collateral damage of some trees being lost, which is development in the open countryside, or something we're actually not convinced is necessary. It's not actually the case that if there's... OK, regardless of whether there's more trains or not... Um, there's a parking issue. That's just provide more cars. Um, you know, there may be other solutions rather than just providing additional car parking spaces. Um, I'm, so, I'm maybe talking out of turn on that issue. I should also add that in members are concerned, the Gen 2 issue is not being resolved. We have an objection from the, high, from the environmental health, which is balanced against the air quality issues of more people using trains. Um, so there's that issue as well. And the third issue I'm... I'm would suggest even that members approve this, that we need to have some sort of Section 106 package contributing to other forms of transport. Um, buses to that issue, bus links to that particular issue are part of an issue as well. So, and so if members are mindful to refuse it, and, you know, I'm not sure where this is going, but I have similar concerns to some of the members that have spoken and what the Parish Council have said. But it's down for members to judge that. But if members are concerned and th that this development shouldn't be there, 
that there is a, not an overwhelming response need for that development to be there, then you can go all the way back to S7 first principles. That argument doesn't work all the time with houses, I should add, before you come back and bite me with it every single committee going forward. This is a development in the open countryside, and you need to be convinced that if you're not convinced it's justified, then it's unjustified development in the open countryside. <coughs> I'm not saying it is, but that's uh, an argument you can I think add. that's enough from you, Mr Brown. Uh, OK. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I find myself uh, agreeing almost wholeheartedly with Mr Brown. In fact, Mr Brown has put it much more adequately than I could have put it. Uh, so, I mean, there are obviously concerns. This is another issue where I come back to what I said many times on balance. We have lots of things which we actually look at from an officer point of view are on balance one way or the other. Most of what I wanted to say has been said by Julie, by... Uh, 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 sorry, Councillor Redfern and, and Councillor Freeman. There are lots of things here where uh, it, it is slightly peculiar because it is right in the open countryside. It is, there aren't that many. Uh, I always remember when I went to prep school for four years and I used to travel up on the train every day. And in those days, of course, there weren't quite so many cars, I'll grant you that. But I always reckoned that the draftiest place in this country was Audley End Station, because it was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. But anyway, that's beside the point. But it, proving the point is the open countryside. But if you actually look now, there are now 673 car parking spaces, of which 111, we are informed, at peak time are not used. That's nearly 20%. That's quite high. So there is, in actual fact, that there is no essential need at the present time. Obviously, the, the, as far as the residents are concerned, they have had continuous noise, light pollution, you name it, over the years, and they've been very tolerant. But I think you're getting now so that you're getting right into our houses, I believe, Mr Brown. Quite a few of those are our houses just the other side there. So I think that, that enough is enough, and, and if you want a proposal, then I would pro propose refusal on S7 and Gen 2. That's helped me enormously, Mr Brown. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to park that for the moment, and I'm going to let Councillor Lachlan and the other councillors speak before I go further with that. Councillor Lachlan. Thanks. Well, <coughs> I don't know. I'm confused now. If officers had concerns about this application, why has it been brought before the committee today? Surely those uh, uh, concerns should have been sorted out before they got here, because now it's just mud muddied the waters. Uh, so I think that's quite a shame. Uh, but the thing is, uh, I don't agree with the concrete wall. <laughs> I think it's going to look like cold it's if you do that so um, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go with that at all but I do worry and this is probably not a planning issue but uh, these cars if they're going to Wend and Zambo if they don't go there the other alternative is Great Chesterford or further down the line Newport or Stansted which then puts more cars on the road causing more pollution because uh, obviously they won't if the car park is full and remembering that, that this week and we've seen this car park where there have been empty spaces and it's half term uh, 
So I don't know what it's like when it isn't half term. Would have been nice to know that, but we didn't. So that is my concern that we're going to be putting more cars on the road by not, uh, not allowing this. Having said that, I do agree with some of the other issues, but I, I will reiterate again, why is it brought before us if uh, the Head of Planning had concerns? Okay. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst? Uh, okay. Now, did you want yes, to speak I, before I put my two penny with him? I, I, I was just going to reiterate exactly what Councillor Lachlan said. It does concern me. We have a conflicting point here. We have a comment made by one of the speakers that there is no need, in fact some employees of GA have said that there is no need in the short, medium or long term for expanded rail, and then the chap himself stands up and says, I represent GA and yes, it's going to increase by 50%. And, you know, we have to make decisions based on this. If it's based on need, then I'm confused at that issue. Um, I think the question about trees and the question of lighting are, are still material. I also think that if you've got to have a, a soil bank, then maybe you have to have a soil bank in the, in the, in the, in the, in the proposal. I'm also not clear exactly where the line extends because some people are saying that there is a buffer zone, others are saying that's in the, in the, in the um, neighbour's yard. These are issues we can't make a decision based on. So I'm, I am a bit confused here. <coughs> Councillor Redfern, you wanted to come back. Um, yes, I would like to. I'd like to um, agree with pretty much everything that Mr Brown has said and I'd also like to say that I'm not suggesting that we don't need additional car parking spaces. I'm just saying that this is not the right application for car parking spaces and it doesn't offer the protection or mitigation to the existing community. So with those, for those reasons, I would like to second Councillor Chambers' proposal to refuse. I'll take those in a second. Um, for my point, uh, no to the concrete wall. Uh, I don't think uh, Mr Wolford will thank you for that at all. Having said that, I think what you're talking about is um, motorway mitigation and things like that. So there are plastics. There, there are now screening measures which could be uh, done without needing the width of an earth bund and it would carry out uh, an acoustic sort of protection and also... Uh, somewhat of a light one as well. I think the lighting could be lower. I think it could be three metres and shaded down. I think probably we could design around the existing trees. So I think that uh, the whole scheme could come back and be made to work much, much better. Um, as far as the 111 spaces, there weren't 111 spaces today. There might have been 30 or 40. Um, so I don't know. And I can also see that train transport will become more important in the future. Um, I think nobody will thank us if we don't make sort of provision for spaces uh, before the trains are actually there. We have to think in front and to a certain extent this is thinking in front. So uh, I think we might uh, be better served by a scheme coming back to us that is uh, working around the trees, lower level lighting, the right barriers and mitigation in place and then I think it might uh, find a... Find a um, shall we say, a, a willing committee. Um, OK, I have a recommendation for a refusal. Can I just uh, come in, please? Uh, you can. Thank you. Sorry. No. OK. I, before I, I make my last... Um, oh, dear. Before I, make, I draw my last comment, I just want members to understand one thing. Um, here, if I can just get this, that way, here we are. That way that arrow is pointing at is an existing three and hedgerow boundary outside of the leasehold area. Having said that, Chair, 
I'm using this opportunity to say I'm leaving the council next week, having, having served you for four years. This is my last application. If my manager felt and this is not appropriate, it is very disgraceful, I say that with professional integrity, not to bring this to the public domain. We should have cleared this under delegated power. My opinion was advanced and endorsed and brought to the general public. I'm happy I'm saying that because I'm leaving the council next week. But it is still my strong recommendation, Chair, I'm putting this before you for approval. The choice is yours. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Alana, and we wish you uh, well in your future employment. Um, I think uh, we've discussed it. Uh, we have a recommendation for a refusal from Mr. Chambers and seconded from Councillor Redfern. The reasons that refusal are Mr. Brown? S7 and Gen 2. S7 and Gen 2. Okay, and on the grounds of S7 and Gen 2. Yes? Sufficient? Yep, they are sufficient. Okay, sufficient. All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five. All oh, right. Five for refusal. All those in favour? Sorry, all those against the refusal, please show. One, two, three. Abstentions. One, two. That item is refused. Thank you very, very much. And uh, my apologies for the duration of today's committee. <laughs>